All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you're here for the first time, you're our special guest. If you're able to, please go and get a Connect card uh, if you haven't been handed one already, and please fill it out, drop it off in the black box in the back, and that's a great way for us to stay in touch with you, uh, for you to find out things that are coming up. Uh, if you're joining us online as well, I want to say thank you for joining us. And if you're new online, go to our website. It's thepromisechurch.cc. See like Charlie, Charlie. And then go on our homepage, click on New Here, and then you'll see our eConnect card. You can fill that out. And then same thing is how we can stay in touch. Okay, um, just a few important announcements. But Easter weekend is coming up very quickly. So I want to just encourage you, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see these nice uh, postcards. We have them made so that not only you can put it onto the fridge in your home, but that you can actually give it to a friend. So please take this and give it to a friend um, you don't have to use words, but I want to encourage you to use words. Don't be like, you know, but like use words and say, hey, we want to invite you out. Please come out. It's going to be a wonderful Easter service. We'd love to have you come. And um, yeah, there's information on the back. There's even a little map. And we're going to be having an Easter service, a barbecue lunch. We're going to be having kids activities. And so please invite out your friends. We'd love to have them join us. Uh, we call it Easter Friend Day. Don't tell them that, but we call it that, right? It's an Easter friend day where we bring out our friends. Okay, so please hang on to these and give it to your friend. Uh, we're also going to be having a Good Friday service, the Friday right before. So that's going to be on the 15th, 7 through 7 to 9 p.m., I should say. So that's going to be right here at the Dale Center. Please come here. Um, and then we're going to have a wonderful Good Friday service. We're going to even plan a little bit together, put some things together for Sunday. And then on Sunday, it's going to be here, but it's going to be outside. I think it's over here, the park over here. So, so go to the park there, okay? Um, oh, I'm going to send out more instructions on this. But when you enter the park on Easter Sunday, don't come here. This will be locked and closed. You're going to have to come through the main gates along Marcus Street. So I'll send out instructions regarding that. Yeah, you can't come in through here. you got to come in through Market Street. So, okay. All right, so that's Easter coming up. Okay, another announcement. Very excited. Malawi Missions. We're very excited to go to Malawi this year. Praise God. I'm very excited. Me, uh, Brother Chris, uh, Haney, his wife, for sure are going. Hopefully a bunch of others we're gonna go, are going to go together. But uh, that's going to be coming up on July 2nd through the 16th. And it's going to be an amazing opportunity to go to Malawi and to partner with a ministry called PAF. But basically, they do discipleship camp for hundreds of students. I heard that it's actually grown to 1,800 students now. Uh, they're all from junior high, high school age, I think. Uh, but we do basically, or not we, they, we're going to join them. But they do discipleship, Bible study. Um, they do uh, a lot of like education as well, just regular education, secondary education. And then they also uh, supply a lot of things, a lot of like school supplies, uh, clothing. They even go around supporting churches, literally building church facilities. So they do a great work in Malawi. So please join us if you want to. Uh, don't let it deter you. That is far, far away. I heard the flight is like 24 hour plus, like 30 hours, but don't let that deter you. We're going to have a great time. We're going to watch like five movies, right? <laughs> and have a great time. But please join us. It's going to be amazing. Malawi. So applications are on the back table, but they are due very soon on April 10th. So you got you you can't like wait on that, right? You got to grab one today if you're gonna consider it, fill it out, and then turn it in by April 10th. Okay? So Malawi missions, praise God. Oh yeah, you see some of the students there. That's amazing. That's yeah, it blows my mind what they're doing. Okay, and then finally, community groups. I just want to remind everybody that community groups are still happening. These are the best 
ways for people to get connected, but these are our home Bible studies. We do life on life, study the Bible together, pray for one another. Uh, they're going on right now. We're having ours today. My, uh, my group is meeting today. They're happening every week. Uh, if you're interested, fill out a connect card, check off community groups. I'm interested. Or if you want to just talk to someone directly, email Brother Daniel. He's the uh, coordinator over community groups, but you'll see his email right here. Uh, but please just email him, say, hey, Daniel, I want to join a community group, and then he'll hook you up, okay? So those are already happening. They're open and mixed. You can just join one right now. Praise God. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12, and then verses 28 through 31. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12, and then 30, 28 through 31. So blessed to be looking at spiritual gifts with you guys week after week. But we're going to be reading this passage again. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12. This is God's word. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, members meaning literally body parts, and all the body parts of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And then verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the rhetorical answer is no. Of course not. No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we give you all the glory. We thank you so much for today. We give you uh, honor, and we ask that you would meet us here in this worship. We want to hear your voice. We want you to speak to us through the pages of Scripture. And truly, Lord God, just make me disappear. Lord, hide me behind your word, and let whatever I say be from you, Lord God, not from me. And anything that comes from me, delete it from my mouth and delete it from our minds. So, Lord God, thank you for everybody joining us. Be with those who are away. I know it's spring break right now. The students are on vacation. Be with those as well. But I pray that you would just continue to move our church forward and build our church in accordance to your will. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, praise God. Well, for the last two weeks. And this is a fascinating topic, and we've barely begun to scratch the surface. And why am I saying that? Well, it's because spiritual gifts is one of those topics that touches and impacts so many different things. It really does. And I say that because, for example, Christians know kind of somehow, right, that it impacts their identity, 
that somehow spiritual gifts reveals how God created you and what God has called you to do. And so they kind of know that. This is usually why people are interested in spiritual gifts. They want to know how God created them, who they are in Christ. And so they're all like curious, wanting to find out. That's not a bad thing, but it touches that. But spiritual gifts also touch on your calling. I just mentioned that, but it touches on how God designed you for a purpose in the world. So what are you supposed to do in this world? What am I supposed to do with my life? How many of you guys have asked that? Well, spiritual gifts actually have something direct to say about that. You shouldn't have to wonder through your whole life, why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? Spiritual gifts will help you to answer that. So spiritual gifts touches on that as well. But it's even more than that. I've mentioned this for the last few weeks, but it also impacts how the church functions. See, the church is not just a place we go to, amen? You should know that by now. It's not a place called the Promised Church where I go there to sing some songs, hear a sermon, maybe meet some friends. No, the church is an intricate community of believers where God dwells. God literally dwells and lives within his church. And what is God doing? He arranges every believer, kind of like Mr. Potato Head parts. I used to play with that when I was little. I still play with it. (laughs) But he arranges these parts in certain ways so that it functions in accordance to his will. So every believer has a vital function in the church, kind of like how organs have a vital function in your body. Okay, a bunch of you guys are in medicine. I know every organ has a role. I asked a brother recently, does every organ have a role? And he said, maybe not the appendix <laughs> and the tailbone. But, but mostly, every organ has a role. And so we all have a vital function in the church. Well, how are you going to know that function? If the church is the body of Christ and you are like the body parts of that body, then how are you going to know your function? Know your spiritual gifts. And by the way, your spiritual gifts not only tell you what your function is, they are your function, right? That is how you're going to function, through your spiritual gifts. So this is how important spiritual gifts are. See, they're so important. If you don't know or use your spiritual gifts, you know what the church becomes? It literally becomes disabled in the most technical sense of that word. We are disabled as a church. Why? Because we're not exercising our spiritual gifts. So it's impossible to be the church. Right, church? That's our theme this year. But it's impossible to be the church this year or every year without spiritual gifts. We have to know our spiritual gifts. So this is why we're talking about spiritual gifts. But there's even more than that, right? It touches on even more than that. Let me mention one more. But in several places in the New Testament, spiritual gifts are directly connected to what? Do you know what it's connected to? Jesus' ongoing redemption of the world between his first and second coming. Spiritual gifts are directly connected to that. See, that's always the time frame for spiritual gifts in the New Testament. We're going to see this more next week. But whenever the New Testament talks about spiritual gifts, it's always what's happening between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Because Jesus gave spiritual gifts to every believer after his first coming. That's what the Bible says. After he died, rose again, ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to men and women, to his church. And then when he returns back, what's he going to do? Take them away. They're going to come to an end. And so why am I talking about this? Why is this so important? Well, it's important because spiritual gifts are at the very heart of how Jesus is redeeming the world. So we need to understand that. This is how Jesus is reaching the entire world with the gospel. It's through the functioning of spiritual gifts in his church. We really need to understand this, brothers and sisters. 
See, we're living in the age of the Spirit right now. This is the age between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And the primary way that the Holy Spirit is at work in the world right now, and I don't know why more pastors don't talk about this, but how is the Holy Spirit working in the world right now? Through spiritual gifts. That's the main way. Anytime you hear anything happening in the world, that God is doing something, what's going on? There is a believer, by faith, exercising his or her spiritual gift. It could be something supernatural, like somebody being raised from the dead, some healing that happened, or just the preaching, mighty preaching of the gospel, or some ministry organization reaching a lot of people. What is going on there? Somebody, somewhere, is exercising their spiritual gifts. We need to understand that. How is Jesus Christ reaching the world right now as we speak? Through the spiritual gifts are huge. They're huge. Okay, this is not just some niche topic about personality types and surveys. I know some of you guys are waiting for that. It's like, when will we get to the surveys? Well, we'll get to that, right? But this is way more than that. So you see how huge spiritual gifts are. They impact your identity. Who are you in Jesus Christ? Your calling. Why are you here in the world? The church's ability to function. We are literally disabled if we don't have spiritual gifts. And Jesus' redemption of the world right now. How is Jesus Christ reaching the world right now? Through the exercising of spiritual gifts in his church. Everything from preaching the gospel, serving the poor, organizing ministries, inviting people into your homes, all of that happens through spiritual gifts. So we need to understand this. So let me ask, do we need to know and use our spiritual gifts? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You better and I better know and exercise our spiritual gifts. So this is how important this is. So I hope this is clear. Amen? I hope it's clear. So we should not be ignorant of spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. This is Paul's charge to the Corinthian church. This is his charge to us. And in order to help us understand spiritual gifts better, what we've been doing every week is I've been going through a bunch of questions. So there's been about maybe like seven questions, not maybe, seven questions uh, that I wanted to just kind of go through and answer, and I think that's the best way to kind of get a handle on spiritual gifts. So here are the seven questions. Why are spiritual gifts necessary? What are spiritual gifts? Who has spiritual gifts? Can you lose your spiritual gifts? How many spiritual gifts are there? Are the miraculous gifts still here today? And how do I discover my spiritual gifts? And we've already looked at four of them. So hopefully you remember. If you don't, then let me give a very quick review. But the first question was, why are spiritual gifts necessary? I already mentioned several reasons. But here's one more. But spiritual gifts are one of the most direct ways you're going to experience God. I want to believe that here in this church, most of you want, or all of you want to experience the living God. Amen? Well, how do you do that, right? How do you experience God? I want to know you, God. I want to experience you working through my life. How, How do you experience God in that way? Again, know and use your spiritual gifts. You know, one of the most consistent ways I've experienced God in the last 25 years of walking with him, 27 now, I think, is teaching the word of God. That's one of my spiritual gifts. I've shared different stories about that. But if you want to experience God directly working in your life, then discover your gifts. Begin to use them. So that's one reason why it's necessary. I mentioned a bunch of others. Number two, what are spiritual gifts? Okay, what are they? Well, last week we looked at four words in the New Testament that give us a rounded definition on spiritual gifts. Do you guys remember those four words? All four of these words, by the way, appear in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1, and then 4 through 6. They're all in our passage. But here are the four words. Pneumatikon. Remember that? Pneuma. Pneuma means spirit. 
but pneumaticon literally the spirit's character and his power. Pneumaticon. Another word is charismata. That's a gift of God's grace. Charismata. That's where we get the word charismatic, right? It just means gift of God's grace. Another word is energima. A thing produced, an effect, a working. This is where we get our English word energy. But this is also in our passage. And then diakonia, service or ministries. This is serving. This is a service. That's what spiritual gifts are. It's a service. So these four words really give us a full picture of what spiritual gifts are, right? So spiritual gifts are special abilities in believers that come from the Holy Spirit, pneumaticon, given to believers as a sovereign gift of God's grace, charismata, in order to serve others. See, it's not just for yourself. It's meant to be for others. Diakonia, in the mighty power of God, energima, right? It's not in your own strength. You are flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a spiritual gift. You got that? That is a spiritual gift. Here's a simpler definition, Wayne Grudem. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So I'm emphasizing, I'm repeating these things so that you can remember it. But these are spiritual gifts. So that's number two. Number three, who has spiritual gifts? Who has spiritual gifts, church? Every true believer, right? Everyone who confesses Jesus is Lord and has the Holy Spirit living in them. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? You have a spiritual gift. Hands down, guaranteed, you can take it to the bank. You have a spiritual gift. So every true believer, from the youngest to the oldest, from the inexperienced to the experienced, from backslidden to mature, we all have spiritual gifts. Doesn't mean we're all using them, but we all have them. And so we talked about that. Number four, can you lose your spiritual gift? No, the Bible doesn't seem to teach that. Nowhere in the Bible is this stated that you can lose your spiritual gift, nor do we see examples of that happening in the New Testament. We don't see any examples. In fact, Paul says very directly, Romans eleven twenty nine, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable seem, uh, just simply means you can't take it back. I know he's talking about Israel there, but we are the true Israel now. We are the spiritual Israel, I should say. So God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit more later today, but they can diminish, though, so we can neglect them. Kind of like your muscles if you neglect going to the gym or kind of like your high school Spanish if you neglect using it. Okay, who uses their high school Spanish anymore? Okay, you don't know any more Spanish. I know. I don't know it either until I go to Mexico. Then I'll kind of pick it up again. But um, but yeah, but it begins to diminish if we neglect it. So is that clear? So those are the four questions we've gone through so far. And today what I want to do is talk about question number five. So this is where we're at. Question number five. How many spiritual gifts are there? Okay, this is a huge topic. This is very important. So what kind of spiritual gifts are we talking about, Roy? Okay, well, how many are there? And here's the answer. A lot. <laughs> there are a lot in all different kinds. So look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There's so much we can squeeze out of our passage, like a big orange, big fat orange. But there are varieties of gifts charismaton, there's that word, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, diakonion, there's that other word, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, energimaton, there's that energima word again. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. 
Okay, right there, those verses, those are amazing. Paul packs so much into those few verses. But you get three out of those four Greek words I mentioned earlier, defining spiritual gifts. Not only that, you see all three persons of the Trinity. Did you catch that? Working through spiritual gifts. He talked about the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father. All three members of the Trinity working through spiritual gifts. But the word I want to focus on is varieties. If you, if you like underlining, circling, circle that. Varieties. But there are varieties of gifts, varieties of service, and varieties of activities. In other words, there's a lot of different kinds. Okay, that word variety just means differences, all different kinds. Literally, that's what it means. So there isn't just one kind of spiritual gift. Oh yeah, there's just the gifts that people do at church. Yes, you do it at church, but there's not just one kind of spiritual gift or even one expression of spiritual gifts or even one level of effectiveness of spiritual gifts. But there are all different kinds of spiritual gifts and all different expressions and all different levels of effectiveness. So this is what I want to look at today. There's, there's such variety among spiritual gifts. Again, all different kinds and all different expressions and all different levels of effectiveness. So first, there are all different kinds. There is a wide variety of spiritual gifts. But how many different kinds are there? Yeah, how can we know? Are there five? Are there 12? Are there 30? Are there 100? I mean, how can we know? And I remember one time talking to a brother. This is back in L.A., my church in L.A. And I forget why, but we were talking about spiritual gifts. And then he told me with a very serious face, I have the spiritual gift of humor. And he was being very serious. And I remember when I heard that, I laughed going, yeah, you're funny, right? Yeah, you're funny. But then inside, I wasn't laughing because I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, is that a spiritual gift? You have the spiritual gift of humor? And he was being very serious about it, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Are there people that God has specifically empowered to have this like... I don't know. I mean, if there are, I'd love to meet them, right? They're going to be really fun to be around, but, but I don't know, right? I don't know. Is that a spiritual gift? So then how do you know, right? How do you know if this is one of the gifts that are falling under this variety of gifts? So when we say there are a variety of spiritual gifts, what do we mean? Okay, what do I mean? Well, a good place to start are passages in the Bible that actually list the gifts. The Bible isn't silent on what kind of gifts we're talking about, but it lists them. But there are six passages. Sometimes people think there's one or two. No, there's six. There are six passages mentioning spiritual gifts. And you're going to see them up on the screen. You don't have to write them down. If you don't want to, you can email me. I can send them to you. By the way, I got all these lists from Wayne Grudem. I mean, they're in the Bible, but Grudem, he's a theologian. He put them together, so I appreciate him doing that for us. But I want you to notice these lists overlap. What I mean is that gifts that are mentioned in one list, they appear again in another list. So there's no real rhyme or reason. Paul or Peter or whoever is just simply addressing a particular church situation. And so he's just mentioning the gifts that he needs to mention, but they're kind of overlapping. So let's look at them. The first one is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And by the way, I'm not going to define what these gifts are. I'm going to do more of that later on, but I might maybe mention what they are here and there today, but we're going to look at them more fully later. But apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, kinds of healings. So there's not just one kind, but there's many different kinds. Helps, administration, tongues. So did you count eight? There's eight right there. And so, of course, apostle, prophet, teacher, those are the more foundational gifts. Paul mentions them elsewhere. 
But then look at miracles, kinds of healings. He leaves it kind of broad, and then there's helps. I love this spiritual gift. But this is kind of a general spiritual gift where if you have it, okay, this is the way I learned it, but this spiritual gift is there so that you can do what? According to his name, you're going to help somebody else fulfill their spiritual gift. Isn't that amazing that God would actually give a spiritual gift to help people fulfill their other spiritual gifts, to help people exercise their other spiritual gifts within the church. But that's the gift of helps. So what does that mean? Like, let's say there's somebody in your community group, they have the gift of teaching. Well, if you have the spiritual gift of helps, then you're going to do whatever it takes to enable that person to have a good environment to teach the word of God. So you're going to, you know, host, you're going to bring, you know, food, you're going to bring rise, you're going to organize, administrate. Why? So that the word of God can go out. So that's one example. But these are eight spiritual gifts right here, right off the bat. Okay, here's the second list. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, that's a repeat, miracles, that's another repeat, prophecy, that's another repeat, distinguishing between spirits, that's a new one, tongues, that's a repeat, interpretation of tongues, that's another new one. So if you're keeping track, how many more do we have here now? We have 13. Okay, here are 13 individual gifts now, unique gifts. And so just real quick here, again, we're not going to go in depth, but word of wisdom, literally in the ESV it says utterances of wisdom. I, I believe that's just the gift of supernatural wisdom, which is you're not gathering the knowledge, but once you hear the knowledge, once you have the information, you have the supernatural ability to understand the will of the Holy Spirit to apply it. Right? How do you apply, let's say, today's message? How do you apply this information you got about maybe some particular area? Okay, how do you help a believer, somebody in the church with their finances well, or, or maybe with their school or just you know, their job situation? Well, you have wisdom. So I believe that's what that is, word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Um, I know that some charismatic people, they see this as a supernatural revelation that God gives to you and then you speak it forth. You might not get it right 100%, but God gave it to you okay, perfectly. He gave it to you without error, but then you just speak it the way you know how. So that's how some charismatic people understand it. But I actually think what they're describing there is a category, a subcategory of prophecy. I think that's more a subcategory of the gift of prophecy. A revelation God gives to an individual in that moment for somebody or a situation, and then they speak it out. I think that's more prophecy. But here, again, is utterances of knowledge. What I think is mentioned here is the supernatural gift that certain believers have of gathering knowledge. They just have this insatiable hunger to gather knowledge and information and facts and to organize it. I actually think I have this gift. So I just love, it just gives me more joy than anything to just close the door, go online, and start gathering information. I, I could, it can actually be a negative. I can go into a black hole, right? I can get sucked into a hole and never come out. So that is a trouble. But I love gathering knowledge and information. But that's one of the gifts is the word of knowledge. Okay, so that's the way I understand this gift. So this is the gift of knowledge. Um, faith, this is a supernatural ability to believe in God for something. You just know. Everybody else is doubting, but you just have this belief. I just know that I know God's going to deliver. He will come true on this, this promise. Okay, miracles, I think that's explanatory, self-explanatory. Prophecy, a revelation God gives. Distinguishing between spirits. Okay, this is an interesting one. 
I believe actually my wife has this gift. My wife is sitting right here. <laughs> but the distinguishing of spirits is, I believe, a spiritual gift where God gives you the supernatural ability to discern whether there is a spirit okay, either upon somebody or maybe there is some work that God is doing and there is an ability to know if this is from God, from a human being, or from the enemy. Okay, but there's a distinguishing of spirits. But I believe you have that, honey. <laughs> but I remember back when we were dating, uh, we were just dating for only a, a few months. I took her to my home church at the garden, and I remember being so surprised when I saw my wife working in this gift because I showed her around the church that I had attended for more than like 15 years. These are people that I have known for like more than a decade. And so she met a bunch of people. And then on the drive home, I was saying to Jill, hey, how did you like the visit to the garden? And, you know, how, what about the people you met? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, interesting people, great people. And then she started mentioning people by name going, oh, yeah, this person seemed like this. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> and this person seemed like this. And that they had this kind of a thing, you know, in their life maybe. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So, so she just kept doing that. I don't know if you remember that, honey, but, but I was so surprised. I'm like, who are you, right? But I was like, wow. I mean, these are people that I had known for more than 10 years, and I knew those things about them. How? By just knowing them for a long, long time, and yet my wife just met them in a brief moment, that first initial contact, she just knew things about them. And so I was like, wow. So be careful when you're talking to my wife. <laughs> and some of you guys are thinking, no, Roy, you be careful. <laughs> Amen. I'm very blessed by my wife's spiritual gift. But, but this is, I think, one of the gifts that God gives, a distinguishing of spirits. Okay, you just kind of know. You just have a sense about people and about situations. Whether it's from God, whether this is a human being doing something, or whether this is from the enemy. Okay, tongues, we'll get into that more later, but this is, I believe, a known language or a spiritual language, and the interpretation of tongues. Okay, very important. But see, this is uh, another list, but there's overlap here. Do you see that? By the way, um, prophecy, you're going to notice, it appears in every single list in the New Testament. It's very interesting. But every single list that Paul mentions, he mentions prophecy. So you can see prophecy repeated. Um, or at least in Corinthians, I should say. Okay, third list, Ephesians 4.11. That's another list. This one is apostle, prophet, evangelist, and some people, they split these into two, but a lot of people combine them, pastor, teacher. If you combine them, this is 15 now. You're up to 15. Because apostle, prophet, they're being repeated again. Do you see how prophecy, prophet is repeated in every passage? But apostle, prophet, those are repeated. But evangelist, pastor, and teacher, those are new. So those are new ones. Okay, fourth list is Romans 12, 6 through 8. Prophecy. Again, it's just repeated in every list. I don't know why. Maybe God is emphasizing that gift, but it's repeated again. Serving, that's a new one. Teaching, another repeated one. Encouraging, that's a new one. Giving, leadership, mercy. Those are all new. So if you're keeping track, this is 20 now. We're up to 20 spiritual gifts mentioned by name. 20 unique gifts. So real quick, giving, leadership, mercy. These are maybe more of the natural or not... I, sh I shouldn't say natural. They're all supernatural, but the more normal gifts that you might see day to day. But giving is a supernatural ability to give enormously, sacrificially. All Christians are called to give, but this is something beyond, right? Some believers in the body of Christ are uniquely empowered to just give sacrificially to the point where like, whoa, 
I remember meeting this one pastor one time, and he said, you know, my wife and I, we decided to give 90%. I think they started out with 50, and then they worked their way up to like high 80s. They were approaching 90% of their income to the church, to the kingdom of God. I'm like, what? It's amazing. And yet God always provided enough to live on the 10 or the 15 that they had. I mean, that is the spiritual gift of giving. Not everyone's called to do that. I mean, if you're called to do that, do it by all means, but that is a spiritual gift. Leadership. The special ability to organize, cast vision, set goals, and lead an organization, God's church towards those goals. Mercy, that is a supernatural ability to have compassion on the hurting. I heard this one definition of compassion, but it is your hurt in my heart. Okay, we should all have that, right? Every Christian should have people's hurts in your heart. Okay, when you see a homeless person or somebody who's struggling in your life, your hurt is in my heart, and yet these people, they have this supernatural ability. Oh, they're always gathering people's hearts and putting them into their hearts. They're just a bleeding heart in the best sense of the word, right? They're always just, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're suffering. I'm going to do something about that. People's hurts are always in their hearts. That's the gift of mercy. So you see all these wonderful gifts. There's such variety. Okay, let's move on. List number five, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Okay, these are maybe two of the most popular ones. Marriage, celibacy, <laughs> I was kind of joking. One's very popular, one's not popular. But marriage and celibacy, right? So these are spiritual gifts. Paul mentions them as gifts. I wish all of you were like me, but not everyone has gifts, right? Each to their own gift. So he mentions celibacy as a gift. Paul had this supernatural gift of not caring about the opposite gender or being noticed or being in a relationship. I mean, he could care less. He just wanted to serve Christ. All I want to know is Christ and him crucified. And that sounds amazing, and if you're called to do that, then by all means, we want to just be around you and help you. And yet, there are other people who have the gift of marriage. I would say the majority of people. And these are obviously people who are blessed to have a spouse, and they serve God together. So that's a unique way to serve, is together with your spouse. So whether you're married or celibate, these are gifts. So that's another list. And then 1 Peter 4.11. Okay, this one's a little different. These aren't specific gifts, but more categories. Whoever speaks, whoever serves, (laughs) okay? And Peter mentions gifts specifically. So there are gifts that are speaking gifts, and there are gifts that are serving gifts. That is what Peter is saying. So again, these are two categories of spiritual gifts. So if you're ever kind of wondering, like, how do I categorize these gifts? That might be one way. It's a good way. Speaking gifts. That's one way. For example, teaching, prophecy, evangelism, encouragement, those are all things you got to use your mouth, right? And then there are serving gifts like administration, hospitality, giving, helps, maybe even healing, although healing might be both. You lay hands and you speak. So there are some gifts where you do both. But there are speaking gifts, serving gifts, and some that do both. So these are categories of gifts. So do you see the variety? There's such a wide variety of spiritual gifts. And there's different ways to categorize them as well. But I just mentioned how there are some gifts that are miraculous, some that are more normal. That could be another way to categorize. So miraculous gifts would be like speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing. More normal gifts would be like teaching, leadership, serving. But that's another way to categorize them. So all of this is very fluid. There's a lot of variety in the way you could understand them. And then there are also gift mixes. Right, so we'll get into that much more later uh, in a few weeks. But there are actually combinations of gifts. 
And so I forget how many we have. I think we have like 22. There could be more, but 22. And then there could be combinations of those. Let's say even at a minimum two, what would that be? Okay, I think I remember back from my statistics class, that would be 22 to the power of two, right? 22 times two, 22. 22 times 22, right? And so that's a very large number. That's hundreds of combinations of different varieties of expressions of gifts, different kinds of gifts, I should say. So there are many, many different kinds of gifts. And so he mixes them up, um, and there's really no rhyme or reason. So even between miraculous and normal, I mean, that's one way to categorize, but Paul doesn't seem to do that. He just kind of mixes them up. So for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, he mentions the gift, gift of helps. Remember, that's the gift that you use to help other people exercise their gift. It's, a, it's an amazing spiritual gift. It's the most humble one and yet the most necessary one. But he mentions the gift of helps and administration in between healings and tongues. So weird, right? He's like, there are all kinds of healings, and then there's helps, administration, and then there's tongues, right? So Paul doesn't seem to like care how he mixes them up. It's not, it's not like, oh yeah, here are all the miraculous ones, all the supernatural wow gifts, and then here are the more normal. No, he doesn't do that. They're all just mixed in, thrown together. And I think Paul does that because to him, all the gifts are miraculous. All of them are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so these are the lists. So anyway, at a minimum, we have to say these are the spiritual gifts that believers can have. And if you remove all the ones that repeat, then how many are there? How many did we look at? 22. There are 22 gifts. So let me just read through them. Every spiritual gift mentioned by name in the New Testament, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, distinguishing between spirits, serving, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, marriage, and celibacy. And then I put their incomplete list, dot, dot, dot. And the reason why I put that is because, is that the total number of gifts? Right? What do you think? Are, are, is that all the gifts in existence that God would ever give? Okay, probably not. I don't think so. And why would we believe that? Because there are certain vital abilities that people have that you clearly see being used within the church that are so vital for the functioning of the church. Okay, what am I talking about? What about intercession? Have you guys ever seen people just praying and they're a prayer warriors, right? I mean, we have a title for people like that. They are prayer warriors. Why? Because they get on their knees and they do battle in prayer. They have no problems getting distracted or falling asleep. They will pray for hours. I've, I literally knew brothers and sisters like that. They would go into their room, close the door, turn on praise music, and they say hours go by. Hours of praying. What is that? That is the gift of intercession. And is that vital? Absolutely. But guess what? That's not mentioned in any list here. Right? I don't know if you noticed that, but intercession is not mentioned, and yet it's a vital gift. And so at a minimum, I would say, hey, one's missing, <laughs> right? And it's not really missing because they weren't intending to give an exhaustive list. But I don't think this is a complete list. But intercession, that's one. What about worship? Okay, what about worship leading? Okay, I believe we have really gifted worship leaders at our church. But what about worship leading? But I've known people who clearly have this unique ability, kind of like intercession, where they can just come up, and the moment they come up, the presence of God is here. Of course, he's always with us, but it's known. 
The presence of God is revealed. God is here. He is working. He is ministering to me as we are being led in worship. What is that? That is the spiritual gift of worship. It's not just like you have a great like ability to play guitar or sing, but it is this ability to lead us into the presence of God. People are specially anointed to do that. And so we know even from Scripture, people have that gift. King David had it, right, in the Old Testament. In fact, it actually even says that when King Saul, he was demon-possessed, so this demon was tormenting him, the only relief he got was how? This little shepherd boy came into his throne room and started playing, started leading worship, and then the demon was sent out. The demon was cast away. So I believe David had the gift of worship leading. He wrote dozens and dozens of songs. That's what the psalms are. They're literally worship songs that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so at a minimum, we see this other gift. And again, is this mentioned here? No, there's no worship leading. Okay, what about missions? What about the spiritual gift of missions? Okay, are there people who have this clear ability and even calling to go onto the mission field to some of the hardest places in the world? Oh, I love it, right? And you're just like with like, you know, bug bites and you're like throwing up with diarrhea, right? Stuff is coming out on both ends and you're just like, I want to go home, I want to go home. And they're like, this is my home, right? I love this. They are alive there. And they are, they are in some of the hardest places in the world to reach. But this is where they are called to be. What is that? I believe that's the spiritual gift of missions. So do you know people like that? I know people like that. They actually start to shrivel up when they come back here. I, I remember a... a, a a brother, he wasn't a friend of mine, but I knew him, I met him, and we were sitting in Starbucks, and he just couldn't wait to go back to the mission field. He was dying here in air-conditioned Starbucks. He's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here, right? <laughs> I was like, you don't enjoy this? <laughs> but he's like, I'm dying here. I want to go back to the mission field. I must go back, right? That's the spiritual gift of missions. And so some people might say, well, I don't know. I think that might be the gift of apostle, and I'm not talking about capital A Apostle. There's only the original 12 who wrote scripture. We're not talking about that. We're talking about little case A Apostle. They're saying that might be the gift of Apostle, but I think Apostle is more unique to starting churches, going into unreached areas to start new congregations, new churches. And not everybody who has the gift of missions has the gift to do that. So I don't know if there's a, if it's the same thing. It could be different. Yes. I'm sorry, who? He was a prophet, probably, yeah, and a priest, yeah, yeah, and a king, actually. He was a, he was a foreshadow of Jesus, prophet, priest, and king, all three, so yeah. But yeah, good question. But okay, so that is another gift we don't see in this list. Okay, let me mention uh, two more. But what about the gift of craftsmanship and artistry? You're like, whoa, Roy, hold on there. <laughs> okay, this is getting weird now. But where are you getting this whole gift of craftsmanship? Well, when I look in the book of Exodus chapter 36, I see that the Lord anointed, it says here, the Lord anointed Bezaliel and Oholiab. These were two Jewish people in the Old Testament. And other craftsmen, why were they anointed by the Spirit? To do what? They were anointed with skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, the tabernacle, in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. So God gave them the special ability to just know how to make amazing tapestry and build and do woodwork and artistry in order to create this beautiful sanctuary for God's spirit, his presence. 
And so there is that kind of an anointing that we see in Scripture. Again, it's not mentioned in any one of these lists, but at a minimum, is that useful in the kingdom of God? Have people used those abilities to further the gospel? I'm talking about real ministry, not just like, oh, I like making graphics, but like real ministry, furthering the gospel. Absolutely, absolutely. And so could that be a spiritual gift? Again, not mentioned here. Okay, one, one final one is cast out demons. Again, some of you guys are getting uneasy. It's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> this is not mentioned in any list. Okay, why are we going here? Well, Jesus mentioned it. So clearly Jesus cast out demons, of course, as the Son of God, but then he gave that ability to his followers, to the 12. And you might say, well, it was only for the 12, not for the rest of us. That's not what the Bible says. You've got to deal with the scriptures. Mark 16, 15 through 18, Jesus commissioned his followers Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And listen, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and speak with new tongues. Who? Who are going to do that? Just the 12? Only Peter, Paul, John, Matthew? By who? Jesus says right here, all who believe, all who believe. He didn't make a distinction between the original 12 who believe and everybody else who believes. He just says, anyone who believes in my name will cast out demons and speak with new tongues. So again, I'm not, I'm not pressing this onto people if this is not your view, but you still need to deal with scripture. You need to have an explanation for this. Jesus clearly said, all who believe. So what am I saying? Could this be a spiritual gift as well, casting out demons? He helping people who are oppressed, by demonic influence and saying, in the name of Jesus, Jesus wants to set you free and praying. And I remember that happening back at my church in LA and I won't go into the story, but I remember this brother was extremely extreme. Something was within him and he was growling, making noises. He had this incredible strength. I remember two guys were pinning him on the ground with this arm, two other guys on this arm. Uh, two people were holding his legs, and me and another uh, associate pastor, we were praying for him, and we were like, what is going on with this guy? And he was just fighting us with all his strength. So is that something that needs to happen today? So these are all different kinds of gifts that, again, aren't mentioned in these lists. So what am I saying? There is a wide variety of gifts. Again, I wouldn't go beyond scripture if I don't see it listed or described by, you know, someone in scripture, then maybe I would be very hesitant. But all the ones I've mentioned, you can find easily in scripture. And there might be more. So here's the answer. I don't think all the spiritual gifts were listed in the New Testament. That's not the total number. Okay, there are many. Again, we need to be careful. I don't want to just make up random spiritual gifts like the spiritual gift of humor. <laughs> Maybe that is from God, but I don't want to just randomly make it up. I don't see it in scripture. But at least, at a minimum, all the ones listed and all the different ones that we see described and shown through different characters in the Bible, we can say that there's a lot, right? There's a variety of them. And all of them from, are from God, and they are all for the building up of the church. So no one should ever read a list of spiritual gifts and then say, you know what, I don't have a spiritual gift. No one should think that. Just because your gift is not listed in those passages, you shouldn't leave today and say, you know what, I don't know if I have a spiritual gift. Because you do have a spiritual gift if you are a true believer. Even if it's not listed, even if you don't see a display of it in Scripture directly somewhere, maybe it's there, but you haven't found it yet. You have a spiritual gift, brothers and sisters. And others may have the same one, but your gift is unique to you. 
And you express it in unique ways, in only ways you can. So that's the second point. There's a variety of expressions. So not only is there a variety of kinds, there is a variety of expressions. Okay, look at 1 Peter 4.10. By the way, that was our longest point. The second two are going to be shorter. But 1 Peter 4.10. Okay, Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So Peter calls spiritual gifts a varied grace. Right there, he's referring to the wide variety, again, among spiritual gifts, like Paul did. But that word varied is very interesting, but it's different from the word that Paul used. Paul used the word variety. This is varied. It's different. But in the Greek, that word means a beautiful variety of intricacy, kind of like the variety you might see in an oriental carpet or an elaborate tapestry, but that's the kind of variety that Peter's talking about. There is this beautiful, intricate uh, variety among the spiritual gifts. Okay, that's how the gifts are. And so what is this pointing to? Well, I believe it's t- talking about different kinds, but also there's different expressions of gifts, right? So two people might have the same exact gift, the, the gift of, like, let's say, serving, but it's going to look different coming through different people. So there is this rich diversity, even in the way they're used. Okay, Paul seems to imply that, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So here, Paul is talking about the diversity of, of gifts, right? Same passage. That diversity is real, but it goes beyond what we can just see. But this diversity is necessary. We need these various different body parts. So not only is it different, but they are necessary, and they're also unique to the individual. I believe that's what Paul's implying here. So not every body part is the same. So even similar body parts are uniquely different. And so Wayne Grudem gives a very helpful example of this. But different gifts in the body of Christ are unique based on how they're expressed through different individuals. But going back to Grudem, but he talked about the gift of serving. But he said the gift of serving is one gift. Different people have the same gift, but they look different when different people are using it, right? So they're expressed differently. So, for example, he mentioned, you know, some might serve by giving wise counsel. Also, others are cooking meals. Others are caring for children so that the adults can do something else. Others are befriending older people and being a friend to them. I mean, these are all different examples of of helps and service. Other people in the body of Christ are giving legal advice if you have that training and God empowers you. Other people are giving financial advice to those who are really in financial trouble. So these are all different gifts, according to Grudem, that fall under helps or service. Here's another one, evangelism. But should we all evangelize? Absolutely. This Easter, bring out your friend. We should all evangelize. But some people have the gift of evangelism. But even amongst the believers who have the gift of evangelism, it looks different, right? Some people have the gift of evangelism by just knocking on doors, bringing brownies, and befriending their neighbors. Other people can go to the middle of Central Plaza at Riverside and pass out tracts. And cold turkey, make contact, and start talking to people about the gospel. 
Other people, they're just great on the radio. Okay, they just have these really witty tweets and they're able to like get onto podcasts and share the gospel in ways that a lot of people can understand. And so you see this, right? There's a lot of different ways to exercise your gift of evangelism. So again, what am I saying? There's incredible diversity. Okay, not only different kinds, but different expressions. You know, I remember hearing, uh, not hearing, I remember seeing this uh, in my own life one time through community group, but we were having this community group where um, Sister Susan was going to facilitate the Bible study. It's kind of like a discussion, a facilitating discussion. But I remember the moment she started, and I don't know if Susan, I don't think Susan's here, so I don't want to embarrass her if you're watching this. Um, I don't, my intention isn't to embarrass you, but I remember my wife always goes, don't say but. <laughs> don't say, I don't want to embarrass you, but. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you. But, I do. <laughs> darn it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I remember, it was amazing, but the moment she started facilitating this Bible study, I took notice. Because she has the spiritual gift of teaching. She's actually a teacher by trade. I have the spiritual gift of teaching, I believe. Other people have told me. <laughs> and so, as somebody who's a teacher, I took notice the way she taught. But the moment the Bible study began, she started passing out index cards with like these very thoughtful reflection questions and the people were just kind of reading them quietly. And she's like, take a card, read the question, think about it, and in about two minutes, we're gonna go around and share. I was like, wow, this is already so different from me, right? I was like, what's going on? And I was like, so like alert. I mean, I, I like using charts, right? I, I pull out charts and PowerPoints and I just start talking, right? And then at one point I remember People were getting distracted. They started talking, right, because they were supposed to reflect, but they get distracted. And then the way she got everyone's attention is she just got very, very quiet. And as she got incredibly quiet like a mouse, everybody was shocked into silence. They're like, what's going on? Susan's so quiet. And then they all quieted down. And I was, see, for me, when people get distracted, I get louder. Hey, do you know Jesus? And I just start getting louder and louder and louder. And that's what's happening on Sundays. When you start thinking Roy's getting so loud, it's because you're not paying attention. And I see you falling asleep. So I'm just getting louder and louder. And yet Susan just got quieter and quieter and quieter until everybody was shocked into attention. And then finally, when she began to lead the Bible study, I began to realize, wow, she has great insight into application. For me, my insights, my best insights are usually theological. Yeah, I have some application, but it's more theological. For her, she was really good at showing the applications to the things that we're learning. And so what am I saying? Same gift, two different people express in different ways. Do you see that? There's such variety here. It is a varied grace, varied grace. So what all of this rich variety means is we should never compare ourselves, brothers and sisters. You should never compare yourself to somebody else who has a different gift for sure, because that's not your gift. Why would you even compare yourself like apples and oranges? Imagine an apple being frustrated not being an orange. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. But even if you have the same gift, God is saying, don't compare. They're a varied grace. Even the same gift flowing through two different people will look very different. See, I have two hands right here. Okay, like most of you. <laughs> we all, I have two hands. And they are basically very similar. Okay, I use them for the most part in very similar ways. And yet, when you look at these two body parts, my two hands, and you look more closely, what do you notice? There's incredible variety, even amongst my two hands. First of all, they're mirror images, right? They're not identical. If they were identical, if my left hand was just like my right hand, my thumb would be over here, right? My pinky would be here. But they're not. They're mirror images, which enables me to do amazing things, like text really fast and type with three fingers. I'm not, I can do amazing things with mirror-imaged hands. But not only that, but when you start looking closely at your hands, what do you notice? Every single fingertip has a different fingerprint, right? 
So even what initially looked like the same thing, upon closer inspection, there's incredible variety, incredible variety, and all of it by design. So what am I saying? Don't compare. You don't ever compare yourself. You don't know how God has designed you or the person next to you. And even if you have the same gift, the unique expressions of those gifts. Amen? And so every gift is unique. Every gift is varied, tailored to you. And then we're going to close with this. But there is a variety of strengths as well. A variety of strengths. And so this is amazing. But there are a variety of strengths that you cannot control. And then there are a variety of strengths in your gift that you can control. So what do I mean? Well, first, there is a variety of strengths that you cannot control. But God gives every believer a measure of spiritual gifts according to his sovereign will. And so it's not only just the kind. We just only think about the kind. But again, it's the expression, but also the strength of it. The strength of it. You know, I saw a beautiful uh, example of this. And this person was celebrating the difference. But John Piper, I think most of you guys know who John Piper is, but he had a father, he already passed away, but he had a father who was an evangelist. And his father actually knew Billy Graham. So they knew each other. I don't know if they had worked together, but they knew each other. And John Piper's father was on faculty at Bob Jones University. And so through that position, he got to meet Billy Graham and and deal with Billy Graham. And yet, okay, here's the thing. His father was an evangelist, and he would go out and do, like, crusades and speak to people and do evangelism. And we all know this. Billy Graham was also an evangelist, and he would have crusades. And yet, we all know this. We've all heard of Billy Graham. Not many of us have heard of John Piper's father. We know John Piper, but we don't really know his father or what he did. And yet, Billy Graham and his father did the same thing, exercising the same gift, and John Piper celebrated the difference. Praise God, right? Praise God. And so what is that? That is a difference in strength in your gift that you don't control. God simply anointed Billy Graham with this gift of evangelism at a level that John Piper's father would never reach, and that's fine. That is fine. He had other gifts and exercised in different ways, and yet it's all for the kingdom of God. So do you see that? So there are strengths, different varied strengths that you don't control. But I'm going to close with this. But there are varied strengths that you can control. You do control these And so here we see in Scripture, look at 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul specifically mentions this to Timothy. Timothy, you have a gift through the laying on of my hands. Again, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that spiritual gifts get passed on through laying on of hands? Again, the Bible's a weird book. Okay, we think we believe in the Bible and we we know, but but once you really look at what's there, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, who believes that or teaches that? Spiritual gifts are passed on through the laying on of hands. But Paul mentions that more than once. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So it wasn't even Paul. It was elders laying hands on Timothy. And he said, Timothy, you're kind of not paying attention. You're letting it diminish. And so what is that? That is a strength that you can control, but you're not paying attention so it's diminishing in strength. So elsewhere, later, this must have been a real issue because Paul mentioned it again, 2 Timothy 1.6. This is the letter right after. He mentioned it again. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you. This must have been a real problem. I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. This must have been a different gift. Why? Because this gift was is in you through the laying on of my hands. Again, Paul seems to be saying that these gifts are passed on through the laying on of hands. Again, I don't know what that means. But whatever that means, Timothy, you're neglecting your gift. And so these gifts are being diminished. 
So this is something you can control. And so we need to be mindful of that. And so how do we exercise our gifts so that they don't diminish, brothers and sisters? So how how do you not neglect your gift? Well, look at Romans 12, 6. This will be the last verse we look at. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So here he mentions prophecy, but I think it's more general than that. If you want to exercise your spiritual gift, I believe the main way you're going to begin to do it is you're going to do it by exercising your faith. Okay, what does that mean? Well, faith is belief, but here I think it's more than that. It's the faith that leads to action. Okay, how do you know you have faith in a spiritual gift? You know because you are now stepping out in faith and you're beginning to use it. Okay, I think I have the gift of evangelism and we're going to go to Riverside Plaza right now and I can't do it. And you go back home. That's not exercising your spiritual gift of evangelism. You have the spiritual gift of teaching. Okay, I think I have the gift of teaching. Well, then do you want to leave this Bible study? Oh, I can't do it, right? That is not exercising your gift of teaching by stepping out in faith. Do you see what I'm talking about? You need to step out in faith in order to use that gift and begin to work it. Begin to work it. And you can do it, right? You can do it. You're not expected to go to a level that you're never intended to go to. You know, I remember when we were watching the Super Bowl a few months ago, my family and I were kind of going in and out. I barely remember the game, right? I know LA was playing. I barely remember it. But one thing I do remember etched into my brain was the Rock's arms. You know, Dwayne Johnson? I don't know. He came out and his arms were like just enormous, just just ripping out of his shirt. And I was like, dude, that's like bigger than my leg, right? But the rock, I heard, can lift an 80-pound dumbbell. I think more than that, like a 100-pound dumbbell. He curls what most of us bench, right? <laughs> but he curls it with one arm. Are you expected to lift a 100-pound dumbbell? No. Okay, don't even try. Okay, you're, you're not going to be at church next week. You're going to be at the hospital. We're going to have to send somebody with the gift of healing to, you know. But it's like, don't, don't even try. But should you be able to lift your body weight? Of course you can. Everybody should be able to bench their body weight, I heard. Should you be able to curl like maybe a 25-pound barbell or 30-pound? You should, right? And so that's the image here is that whatever level of faith God has given you, you should max that out. Amen? So these are the various varieties of spiritual gifts, both in kind and expression and in strength. And I close with this, but Jesus, he made it so, so urgent. Okay, maybe this will be the drum I'm going to hit every Sunday, but he made it so urgent. It's not just about your personality and discovering who you are, how I made you, but this is urgent, church. You need to discover your gifts and exercise them. Why? Well, he gave this parable in Matthew 25. This is the very passage in the Gospel of Matthew talking about the end times. Everything related to his second coming is in that chapter. He's talking about wars, rumors of wars, the moon turning red like blood, you know, the Antichrist is going to come. The temple will be destroyed. All these things. And then he tells this interesting little parable about the talents. And this is in that passage on the end times. And what is this passage, this parable about? It's about, I've given each of you a talent. He, according to the measure that I gave you, some ten, some five, some one. And I'm going on a long trip, but I'm coming back. See, that's why it's in that section on the end times. I'm coming back. And when I come back, there's only one thing I care about. Did you take your talent, and I can replace their spiritual gift. Did you take your spiritual gift and use it and produce fruit? That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about the amount 
okay, how many people you reach. All he cares about is if you got five, did you produce fruit in measure of five? If you got three, did you produce the fruit in measure of three? One, you get And the only person in that parable who was rebuked and actually condemned was the person who took the one and buried it in the ground saying, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know about all this. And besides God, he's a harsh judge and I, I don't know. And then Jesus condemned that person. And so not that, you know, I don't want to end on a word of condemnation, not that God's going to condemn us, but it is a strong warning. This is not optional, brothers and sisters. You must know your spiritual gift. You must begin to use them as his return draws near. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord. We just want to come in humility, and we want to, Father God, declare to you, Lord Jesus, that you are holy, and you are gracious, and you have given gifts to your followers, Lord. Every man, woman, and child, you've given gifts. And Lord God, you will Take account. These gifts are meant to bless others and bless ourselves. We are blessed when we use them, but you will hold account. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray and ask that you will, Father God, begin to stir in our body this deepened desire to exercise our gifts, to really follow after you, Lord Jesus, and to understand the, the vast variety of gifts and not get caught up in what I have, what I don't have. What somebody else has is the same gift as me, but they're using it in a better way than I am. And Lord, all of that is carnal. All of that is not of you. And so, Lord God, I pray that we would just have understanding.